Happy anniversary, Kelly. Happy anniversary. Yeah, this is fantastic. Hello, Rocketeers. Welcome to the weekly podcast for people craving richer relationships, fulfilling community, healthier masculinity, permission to create. It's our anniversary. It's our anniversary. How many one-year-olds can say they conversed with 47 notable geniuses, fomented community, provided solace to at least dozens of friends and strangers, and emboldened others to take creative plunges into unknown waters? Do you know a toddler like that? Um. Cool. (laughs) We need to interview that kid, seriously. But the one year I'm talking about is, of course, the Rocket, Rocket Feather, Feather Podcast. Oh, what a cutie. It's one year old. What a cutie. And while we have had a blast building this first year, and only a few arguments, we could not have done it without you, our intrepid Rocketeers. You have been willing to go with us to the difficult places, the challenging places, the confusing, painful, weirdly joyful places. And it's made all of the difference, especially in a year of COVID for us not to have to make this journey alone. Yes. Sharing our fears and questions and solutions and joys and discoveries with our 47 amazing guests and with our brilliant and beautiful listeners, that's you, has made the most challenging year of our lives, not only tolerable, but full of meaning and real joy. Mm. So come with us on a walk because this is your anniversary as well. Come with us on a walk through some of our favorite moments over the last year as we remember, make meaning and plan for what's next. One of the big themes, one of the, the threads that run through this podcast, the Rocket Feather podcast, is that we do the personal work, the self-actualization, the self-discovery in order to be in better relationship with one another so that we can be of service. Self-actualization alone is not enough. Great relationships alone are not enough. It's all so that we can be in service to the community and to one another. And this is how we've designed this walk down memory lane today. While most of our interviews touched on all three of these phases, all three of these important tasks, we've grouped them today according to where we remembered having our minds blown and our hearts opened. This episode would be 14 hours long if we included, at least, if we included every bit of goodness. So by necessity, we pared it down to the high points that struck us this week as we were assembling it. If we were doing it a different week, it would probably be a different critter. Totally different. But it was a delicious torture. And, you know, for me as a fibers person, it was like cutting up a gorgeous piece of velvet yardage so hard to cut into and the whole thing is so stunning and gorgeous but necessary to make the garment that we were trying to make so we hope you like what we made nobody ever promised that creativity was devoid of tough choices oh that is so true enough preamble let's get started all right and the tape is rolling check caffeine at optimal levels check and the cats are secured well, Bill is secure in a box on the mantle, and Munchie is still looking for him. Yeah. 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 For those who don't know, Bill Bill died a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And we just got his ashes. Yeah. So he's very secure in he's his box. He's very secure in his box, yep. where he loves to be. Yep. And the microphones are hot. Check. We are Go, Go for, for Launch. launch. Oh, 
All right, we're going to start off this retrospective, this rummaging through the closet with a clip from one of our very first episodes. I think it I think it's even episode three with Tony Heim. So we had done just a couple of episodes, just you and I. Yeah. And then Jesse oh, Jesse right, was right, right. our first actual guest. And then I think Tony was our second guest. That. Back then we were actually portable. We actually went to Tony's house, mm-hmm. met his ginormous dog, which is actually a wolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a little, I was scared. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful, beautiful house that he built, and just went down to the basement with the with the blue Yeti microphone and yeah. sat around in his kind of rec room down there. Um, Tony's a Gestalt therapist. And he kind of explained what it means to be in contact with one another. This really intentional being present Mm -hmm. for one another and i'll just i'm just gonna play kind of what happened at the end yeah so i was thinking of of wrapping up and and tony i hadn't thought about this and i didn't prep you at all so you can definitely say no but um what if we what if we just did a little really quick gestalt mindfulness exercise with everybody listening to the podcast right now (laughs) okay um, we'll give it a shot. Yeah. Yay. Right. Yeah. I love therapy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'll just invite each of you just to say what it is that you're aware of in this moment. And we're just going to encourage everybody listening to just do this in your, do this, or you can do it out loud if you're alone, right? Yeah. So what's the prompt again? Just, um, as you sit on, yeah. you know, your chairs and you're aware of your body sitting the way that it is, what, what calls to your consciousness? In terms of an emotion in your body, an emotion in your heart, and just what catches your attention? I'm aware, I'm aware of of um, I'm aware of my heart in my body. I'm I'm aware of the the presence of it. I, I, I want to call it heaviness, like I can feel it in my chest, but it's not a sadness. It's it's a, a heaviness of kind of rooted joy and gratitude, mm-hmm. I guess is what it is. Okay. Yeah, I just feel I'm aware of like a tightness. I'm, I'm not sitting up straight. I'm kind of a sloucher. And I, I think part of that I was holding on in my, in my abdomen. And so, yeah, it feels better because I sat up straight. Okay. But I'm also aware of kind of a stillness that feels good. Hmm. Instead of unnerving, okay. sometimes stillness unnerves me, but this is kind of a nice stillness. All right. Now, I would invite you and Charles to make some form of contact with each other, however you want it to be, whether it's, you know, with your body or with your eyes or however you do it, just make contact with each other and pay attention to what happens. So just say what you're experiencing, because the listeners can't see what I see. Right. Yeah. That's probably a little boring for them. <laughs> but yeah, the the tension that I felt in my in my abdomen is just gone. Mm. I also noticed how easy it is for us to to connect. Mm. Like just all we have to do is look at each other. So do me a favor. I'm going to ask you to change that a little bit and mm. speak directly to Charles about that. Oh, okay. Well, I just met your eyes and 
instantly felt connected. I felt my energy change. And, and then when my mind started to scan to try to notice what was happening, I realized that my, that my tummy was feeling relaxed and I just enjoyed the sparkle in your eye. Yeah. I enjoy the, I really enjoy the sparkle in your eye as well. And I, I, I took a deep breath and the thought that came to mind was, well, here we are. <laughs> and, and I don't want to be anywhere else with right. anybody else. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And for me, watching you two connect in the way you just did, like I feel like I'm a part of your love for the moment. Mm. You know, and what a gift for me to be a part of your love. I'm so glad that I know you, Tony. <laughs> I'm going to have a little cry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're having a little cry. <laughs> it is it's oh, really Tony. moving to 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 listen back to that for a lot of for a lot of reasons. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's Yeah. We, you and I made made contact while we were listening to that. Right. Look, gazing at one another right. over the tops of our laptops. Yeah. With our big old headphones on our heads. Yeah. What what came up for you? I just the sense of you know we keep talking on here about how time is broken, and you know that that was about a year ago, and I can't even really conceptualize what about a year ago even is in yeah. a way that I've always been able to in the past, mm. you know, the notion of, Oh, it's been a year since whatever, you know, and, and units of time used to mean something. And now like yeah. time is just yeah weird and gone and stretched and smashed. And yeah. I'm so guessing. there's that, yeah. you know, there's the time, but, but just, I don't know, the beauty of taking that moment to connect and to feel welcomed, you know, by your eyes and that Tony could feel welcomed into our loving moment, yeah. you know, and, and knowing what the last year has brought to him and his family and feeling, yeah. you know, sorrow for his loss and, yeah, Tony's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful 20-year-old son died in a car crash uh, kind of right at the beginning of COVID. It was yeah, just, just a double whammy. Absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah, I think it was Tracy's, his wife's dad died. And if I remember right, you know, uh, the son was coming home to to be with family and, yeah. and wrecked on the road. Yeah, so it lends it, lends us... Uh, yeah, more more weight, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. That time passing, and I, you know, I hear my voice, and I, I hear so much more, more hope and mm -hmm. and positivity uh, yeah. in my in that young man's voice. Right, we didn't know what we were in for. <laughs> we did not know what we were in for. Um, we thought we were going through some stuff then. Right, right, yeah, and I, you know, it's it's hard to be. It's hard for me now to to be as open as I was mm. even then. I, I'm definitely. Um, a little, it's harder for me to be that, uh, hopeful and vulnerable and, mm -hmm. and open. So it's great to, to listen back. Cause I'm not really different than that guy. It's just, yeah, I'm just letting things yeah, affect me. Maybe takes a little bit more to get to that place. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really glad to listen to this and be reminded 
that I can do that, that I should do that, that I can be that open, mm-hmm. um, that I can be that hopeful and, and, and brave. I mean, just like the courage as a, uh, as a brand new podcaster to like right. insert to, to the audacity yeah, yeah. to think let's, you can do something. Yeah. Let's do a gestalt exercise, you know, in front of everybody. Spontaneously. Yep, yep, yeah. On an audio and let's I have whatever was that was like 15 seconds of complete silence on the, right. on the pod and, and just have that be great. So yeah, mm. I'm, I'm curious what, you know, what the audience thinks about, you know, are, are, are you all experiencing that same broken time or, mm. you know, can you remember what you were doing a year ago, you know, right before Thanksgiving? And, and, you know, what is the likelihood or usefulness of, of taking a moment like that with someone you care about? Yeah. 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 Can you do Have that? Have you done it? Are you gonna do it? How'd it go? Yeah. We'd love to hear. Yeah. You ready for clip number two? Roll it, baby. I really did not choose my path mm-hmm. in an empowered, independent way, a conscious yeah. way until yeah. I was able to recover with the help of other people. Mm. And I, so I had a lot of fear when I was younger, a lot of anxiety. I, you know, I stuttered. Uh, I, I was a perfectionist. And I, of course, this manifests into this eating disorder. So here's all this anxiety situation. One of the gifts of the eating disorder was that it completely robbed me of all emotion. And that sounds terrible because it, 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 it is. It numbs everything. But at the same time, it numbed fear. Uh-huh. Right. So all emotions, all emotion, like all, all, emotion the, all the way numbed, down to fear. Right? And so I wow. had no emotion. And so I finally was released from my fear because I was released from everything. Wow. But the gift of that yeah. is that I discovered for a little bit what it felt like not to have any fear. Of course, I had I was fearless because I was hungry, didn't care about anything. Yeah. But it kind of showed me that my fear didn't necessarily need to take a a front seat in my life. And uh, I decided that actually my fear when I felt anxiety, that was a cue to go towards a thing rather than away from it. Okay. Because, uh, if this, if this disorder really manifested from trying to suppress anxiety, Mm. then feeling that the disorder uh, would be suppression of anxiety. So if I had anxiety, I would go to the disorder disorder would solve the anxiety, numb it. Right. So in recovery, I had to do the absolute opposite. So go towards the fear, which uh, was amazing. Badass. So, so yeah, mm-hmm. but, but then again, it's like, it's the only thing I could do, right? It was mm-hmm. either, you know, be disordered and like literally die or be numb to everything mm-hmm. uh, or just face everything. Wow. wow. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. So that was Claire Luge, oh uh, our, our dear friend who had just, in, at the time of that podcast recording, had just been promoted to executive director of Prevent Child Abuse Arizona. Mm-hmm. And we thought, I thought we were going to do this really traditional mm-hmm. podcast interview, talking to somebody who just got promoted. They were going to promote their... And talk about work talk stuff. Talk about work and stuff. Leadership yep, and leadership. Yep, yep, yep. Oh my gosh. And instead we ended up talking about eating disorders and, and anxiety and leaning into the fear. Yeah. That's still like, I'm, hmm, when she says that, I'm still like, I don't think I'm there yet, (laughs) but you know, maybe I have not had my rock bottom moment. Yeah. 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 The Claire set the bar for 
just open, vulnerable storytelling. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of feel like between her and, and Tony and some of our other early guests, we just like that, that set the standard for what we went for after that. Yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah. And yeah, just that experience uh, early on of, you know, the hair rising on my body and arms. Yeah. And, you know, tears coming and us get to share a real emotional moment. And also just, I don't know, one of the things that I love about our podcast and these conversations that we've gotten to have for the last year is that experience of falling in love with people yeah. that we talk about almost every time of, of because we are able to sit and create that kind of a safe space for people to be real with us. Everything gets out of the way except love. Oh, that's beautiful. And so just experiencing that love and admiration. It's not about because they are high achievers. Those are, you know, we, we ask people on because they're doing something interesting that we want to know more about. And we want to put in front of our listeners because we think that it has value. But what really makes for a good interview is that experience of, of realness that lets us totally be together. Like in that moment where Tony was joining with us, yeah. that's what happens in these interviews. Yeah. It's not necessarily in silence, but it's in that people being authentic and vulnerable lets us all kind of emotionally meld for a short period of time. And that's been absolutely feeding me heart yeah. and soul this last year. It's pretty, it's kind of addictive. Oh gosh, I want more. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, what did we, the show we watched last night? It's like that jar of pills. I want that jar of pills oh, of yeah. this experience of all the podcasts we have yet to do, of all the the connecting we have yet to do. Yeah. I think that's what sustained the pace. I mean, we've done 52 episodes. We skipped yeah. one week and we released two in in one week. Mm -hmm. So that's that's how we end up, you know, having 52 in one year even though we skipped mm -hmm. one. But uh, you it's know, been a pretty pretty formidable pace and you have spent a lot of time in the editing bay as it were. Yeah. And we've worked really hard to craft intros and outros about, you know, to try to make it a value, not just a conversation. Right. To try right. to figure out how we can deliver value to, to the people who are hanging out with us. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that pace is sustained by mm -hmm. these guests who, who give us of themselves, mm. uh, in that way. And, and, you know, I release the oxytocin and, oh, the, gosh, and yes. the dopamine and whatever else. And like you said, the, the hair standing up mm -hmm. on your arms and it, it just feels real and, and purposeful. It does not feel like entertainment. Mm -mm. It doesn't feel like just passing the time. Mm -mm. Yeah. My heart feels all full. Like you were describing in your gestalt moment, you know, my yeah. far, heart feels, my fart feels, <laughs> my heart feels um, just big and full and yeah. Uh, already we're just getting started. I know. So I know. what's number three? All right. So the next one we're going to listen to is one, uh, it was the second most popular 
clip. Claire's was the most popular for mm-hmm. a long time. And uh, this next Must one is... Listen to. Yeah, this next one is with uh, Hayden Gebler. And that's that's what I wanted to really bring up was that with the with the white supremacists and and I it was I was really put down. Mm. I was really like it, it was always like, well, you're not good enough. Like you need to change. You need to start doing this way. You need to think this way. Whereas I go to to AA and they'd be like, it's okay to be broken, dude. You know, like it's okay to you know cry and hurt and and embrace that vulnerability of 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 being you know getting sober is not easy and you know on top of whatever else you've gone and gone through in your life, you know, it's, it's not an easy process and it's okay. You know, like you're okay to be you, but just, you know, let us help you not drink through that, you know? And I, it was all empowerment. So I've got on one side, I'm getting put down on another side, I'm getting, you know, empowered and lifted up and people are, you know, wanting to help me. And I, these are people I can see every day. And, you know, it was like a whole, like, I was like, man, what am I doing? You know? Yeah. But then I started getting, I still had all those thoughts in my head because I, I it was so ingrained in me. You know, yeah. I had all these guys being like, well, black people are this and Mexican people are this and, you know, your spirit, blah, you know? And, but then I'm sitting shoulder to shoulder with, with black people and Mexican people and Asian people and all these people that they tell me to hate. And these are the people that are helping me the most. So I, I'm, I, you know, I, I started like questioning, okay, well, is that really true? You know? Yeah. I don't know if we, mm. we should have framed this a little bit more for people ahead of time, but you know, so the story of Hayden, Hayden was one of my mentees when I was uh, the executive director of, of boys to men mentoring. Actually, he had, he was part yeah, of that when program you just started. Yeah, when I was just a volunteer. So I kind of came up with him and he ended up uh, joining a white supremacist gang and he, and he, in the podcast, he tells the story of like his earlier wounding and the bullying and the, and the self-esteem problems that he faced and that that caused him to not be able to accept the care and love that mm. we were trying to give him in the mentoring program. Uh, and like I said, he ended up uh, joining that white supremacist gang in order to, you know, deal with his anxiety and his depression and, and just needing that belonging and then needing to get sober and having this epiphany in, in the rooms, as they say, mm-hmm. in the, in the AA rooms of like being surrounded by people who accepted him for who he was, accepted him despite, or even because of mm. his brokenness. Right. And, and somehow he could really see that and, and take in that data. Yeah. Those facts. Right. And begin to make a different meaning. Yeah, it's like two, inside himself. Two columns, right? The white supremacists are telling me this and treating right. me this way. The people in the rooms, the brown and black and, and mm-hmm. Asian people in the rooms are telling me this and treating me this way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's do the math. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's a, we didn't go for to interview people with background in recovery. And, and there's just kind of a coincidence that, that Claire's clip and, and Mm -hmm. Hayden's clip are next to one another like this, but you and I have both worked in recovery. You you worked with, with, uh, women in recovery. I worked with, with younger people in recovery. I think we both share this admiration for folks doing that work, doing that. It's it's that self-actualization work. It's like, you know, they, they hit reclaiming themselves or finding themselves for the first time. You know, so many people fall into addiction because they don't have that strong sense of who they are and their purpose in life and where they belong. And yeah. it gets it gets them into trouble. 
It does. And I, th- I think one of the things that, that the episode with Hayden really highlighted was how like everybody's got a story. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily have to be in recovery to have a story, but everybody's been through stuff. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's just underneath the surface. And like when I met Hayden, he was a peer leader and he was kind of one of the guys who helped wrangle the other kids and and mm-hmm. showed up with a lot of leadership energy and maturity. And unbeknownst you to never me, guess that underneath all of that was enough pain to drive him into the arms of, of white supremacists. Yeah. Or and enough pain to drive him to, to drink and, and pop pills. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that's part of what continues to drive the podcast, but also just continues to drive, you know, my interest in, in that first part of the, of the self-actualization part. It's like, how can we help each other? How can, how can I reach out for help when I need it around that constant gap of healing that, that gap of, of being broken. I'm just always going to be broken. You're always going to be broken. And that's what I was going to say too. I mean, we, we know about people who have got years and years and years of, of sobriety and who go back out as they say. Um, I know this year I've talked uh, period every so often about how I have struggled with, with depression and anxiety and, you know, that's not solved. Right. You know, it's things get better and things fall apart and things get better and things fall apart. I mean, it's, it's an ongoing, nobody's fixed. Yeah. Nobody's fixed. I mean, we have good, good days and good years and good decades, but yeah, we're all working on this challenging thing of being human beings alive on the planet. And, you know, thanks to this podcast, we get to do that together. And that has meant a lot to me. So the fascinating that the podcast Mm -hmm. has become our, it's become my personal work. It's become part Mm -hmm. of my personal work. Absolutely. uh, That I used to do, you know, more in, in men's groups and, and with the men and boys. Mm -hmm. And I'm not doing that because of COVID and, and not being part of that organization anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I think the podcast is, uh, for me, it's, it's, saving my life. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily mean in a physical sense, but. But it's keeping, it's giving us purpose during a time of transition in our lives. And we would be in transition, even if there weren't a pandemic and mm-hmm. it just, I, it's, yeah, it's a ton of meaningful, purposeful goodness that I am incredibly grateful for. And I sure need it. Yeah. 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 So that's kind of part one. That's kind yeah. of the, the self-actualization personal work part of, and, you know, obviously because we're, we're saying now this wasn't something that we planned to talk about, but this idea that, you know, it's, it, it doesn't, the work doesn't stop. We're always broken. Mm-hmm. That's just the human condition. So there isn't, there isn't a set hierarchy of this, right? Like the way I said at the beginning, it's like you mm-hmm. do your personal work and right. self-actualize and then that part's so over. you can be yeah. in relationships, so you can be a service. Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's all, it's all happening simultaneously. Um, yeah. It's a game of whack-a-mole. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna quote unquote take a little break and uh, we'll be right back with with part two so have you rsvp'd yet i have i i have too there's a party this week this week and you're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be festive with music, old friends, prize giveaways, and because it's us, it's also going to be deep 
and meaningful. Because that's how we roll. We're going to be asking our VIP guests the big questions during this party about how we change the world. Yep, that's the theme. (laughs) (laughs) How do we change the world? And we want you to join us on the live stream to comment, ask questions, win prizes, get inspired, and kick off the best pandemic Halloween weekend ever. Ever. Hopefully the only pandemic Halloween weekend. Right? Oh my gosh. The Here Together Party starts October 30th. Yes, it has a name. It has a theme. It has a logo. The Here Together Party starts October 30th at 4 o'clock. And it's going to be live streamed on Facebook. We'll be joined by Drew Hall, guitarist Supremo, Candice Devine, soul diva extraordinaire. The poet, Jim Natal. Award-winning author Bill Koningsberg reads from his new book. And super, super secret special guest i got that all in the wrong order but you get the idea appearance by matt ruff the author of lovecraft country and if you have been watching that on hbo that is all because of his book and we talked to him about it and we're gonna see how he is doing with all of this amazing goodness yep he'll be rushing into the into the live stream just coming from another reading mm-hmm. so we'll help we'll, we'll capture him very briefly at the end and we've asked him to read something uh read, read something new we'll see what he shows up with cool and we'll post the lineup in the show notes so that you're sure to tune in for your favorites rsvp today to get reminders and to be enterpri- entered I was going to say enterprised <laughs> to the Starship Enterprise um, to be entered into the grand prize giveaway of a Rocket Feather hoodie. Rocket Feather hoodie, high quality, Yay. warm hoodie. Right now I'm looking out the window and the wind is blowing and I can, I can see the temperature dropping down mm-hmm. there as the as the leaves get blown off the, the locust tree. Yeah. here. So, yeah, sign up, RSVP. Yeah, do that. back to the anniversary party yay yay this isn't the anniversary party actually this is the 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 pre-party this is we're it's anniversary party week here yeah, at rocket yeah. feather like sweeps week absolutely and birthday week and birthday week yeah my birthday's coming up not very no, soon in, but in a couple enough. months yeah yeah that's close in broken time pandemic year oh my god yeah anyway uh, we got to get through the election first, which we'll talk oh about in a second. But, for, but even before that, we're going to talk about this section two of this retrospective is about relationship. Mm-hmm. And we've got three clips that we're going to share and talk about. And the first clip is with the Martins. Yeah, it's one of our double dates. Yeah. And that's Colby. That's Colby and, and Kate. Kate Martin, who are also podcasters, and they are both um, Christian pastors who went through a major change. They were in a conservative Christian evangelical church. They were both kind of raised up in it. Mm-hmm. And he was rocking it. She was not. Yeah. He was <laughs> he was ticking off all the boxes of a successful evangelical pastor in a in a big mega church and and uh she was having her doubts and something something happened along the way and we'll we'll just play the clip at this yeah. point. Yeah. Growing up and that was the same as we were shifting. We were experiencing experiencing things so different. So he would get excited about something 
you know, heady or theology that it was shifting for him. And I'd kind of be like, what? And like, couldn't wrap my head around shifting in that. And then I would bring something to him that was more like feminism or something. He'd be like, what? <laughs> and, but we'd bring each other these things. And then sure enough, suddenly I found myself like, oh my God, I don't think I believe in substitutionary atonement anymore. Holy shit. And then he'd be like, oh my God, I think I'm becoming a feminist. And then we would just kind of push and pull and push and pull and grew together, but kept it secret. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't even have, I was thinking about this the other day, we didn't have a friend that we told these things to. Wow. Mm-hmm. Just each other. It was just a big secret. Do we have secrets? <laughs> I don't know if we do. Yeah, I think about what that, I mean, that could have torn them apart. Oh, so easily. I mean, I think that's probably what happens most of the time is only one person grows in that different direction, but that they both were growing slightly differently, but in the same direction. Right, right. And just for the record, I have no idea what substitutionary yeah, I don't is. Either. We're about a couple of heathens. So but apparently, apparently it was a big deal. Yeah, they, you know, one of the, you know, yeah, Kate could have started becoming more feminist and been questioning, mm-hmm. you know, all of the relationships and all the patriarch in the church and, and could have, you know, taken the kids and left. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, she could have accused Colby of, you know, becoming a complete heathen and and taking the kids and left or right, whatever. Or, or kicked him out and stayed yeah, or right, whatever. But right. yeah, they both shared that journey. They shared it with each other. Yeah. They didn't keep it to themselves. No. Because I mean, that I think is the real temptation is like, I have these doubts and I'm married to this person who was, you know, they both grew up in that, you know, pretty hardcore church. Right. C- culture. Right. And to to kind of keep it as a secret shame to oneself because of the fear of being judged or thrown out or whatever, which, you know, ultimately yeah. they were thrown out together. Yeah. But and then they together that relationship that they built over time of of questioning and again gathering data and looking yeah. at it and searching their own emotions and hearts and souls and minds yeah. together, they were able to keep the things that really mattered when they lost quote everything. Yeah. yeah. That was something when, when I, when I asked Colby, what did you lose? And he said, everything with an asterisk. Right. Very quickly. He's yeah. like, yeah, we lost I, everything. We didn't lose each other. We didn't the lose the kids. Mattered. They lost their house. Mm-hmm. Their they community. lost their income. They lost their community. They lost right. members of their family. But, you know, thinking just about, you know, what I learned or what I, what I'm kind of learning now is we're talking about it again, about their relationship and kind of relationships in general. They must have had so much trust already that Colby was able to go to her and mm-hmm. say, I don't think I believe in transubstantiary blah, blah, blah. blah. <laughs> um, and she was able to say, I think I'm becoming a feminist. That, that, that they trusted one another enough that they could hold one another in those mm-hmm. changes. And I think that's remarkable. The courage to be that vulnerable or the, and I think sometimes it's just a like, you know, I used to talk about how I wanted a bumper sticker that said, don't blame me. My integrity made me do right. it. And it's kind of like, I, I hear that from them too. It's like, yeah, I, I have to, I have to tell you this. Right. Um, so whether, yeah, whether it was courage or whether it was just their integrity made them do it. 
uh, and that their relationship was big enough mm-hmm. to contain that is is remarkable. And that's like, you know, it's like, you know, our relationship is challenging. You know, can it contain COVID? Can mm-hmm. it contain, you know, me not bringing in a ton of money anymore? Can it contain all of the changes that I'm going through as part of this entrepreneurship mm-hmm. process? Can it contain your growth as a leader in your business? And can it contain your depression and your mm-hmm. sadness? And, you know, can it, is it big enough to contain all of that? Um, and I think it, I think the relationship our relationship, you know, an ideal relationship expands when that stuff is there. When it's hidden, the relationship can't it be cracks. that big. It's more brittle. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. So it's like if, you, if, if, if I'm thinking, oh, is my relationship big enough to contain this? Of course it's not if I keep it secret. Right. The relationship can only expand when yeah. I'm open about it. When we're sharing and when it's yeah. flowing yeah. instead of just, you know. Yeah. Clogging. I don't know if that's the right analogy, but <laughs> it's a plumbing analogy. Yeah. 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 That was a, that was a, a, a wonderful episode. Oh my and- God. There are so many good parts to that. And just being able to mirror to Kate, what I saw in her and what, what, her, you know, her strength oh, and her. Yeah. And, and the way that she, let me see her, you know, that she experienced being seen Yep. and that, you know, like Colby kept seeing you in a I way know, that was like, Oh man, you were so busted. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah in a he, good way. Yeah, but, yeah. 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 He's like, well, Charles, I think it sounds like what you're having. I'm like, yeah, wait a minute, who's a the host, host here? Yeah. Bo- yeah. And he kept using my first name over and over again. It was like yeah. when friends and influence enemies or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. No, it was brilliant. Those two brilliant. are amazing. And yeah. I just, I just want to hang out with them all the time. Yeah, let's see if they have time to do a do a Zoom call I sometime know, right? in the next in the next bit. Anyway, that was uh, that was Kate and Colby Martin, and this next clip is is pretty different in tone. This is mm-hmm. um, this is Matt Ruff, the author of, mm-hmm. of Lovecraft Country that we talked about, and and actually our our I think you and I both share the our favorite book of his is um, Set This House in Order. Yeah, which is about uh, a couple of characters who have multiple personality disorder and this Ugh. deeply empathetic exploration. Um, and Matt, and to go back to Lovecraft Country, Matt's a white guy. And he writes this book that's all about the black experience. And it's kind of the big question for us in this interview is like, how do you, how do you, you privileged white guy from an Mm -hmm. Ivy League institution, you know, uh, heteronormative, uh, neurotypical white guy, how do you write these characters? And his science, which we're going to present in just a minute, you know, for those who are new, it's like at the end of every episode, almost every episode, we ask except our guests. Except when we forget. Except when we forget. And we did actually forget. This is what you're about to hear mm. is Matt took this so seriously that he remembered that we oh. forgot to ask him to do the science. So he recorded this separately. Oh my gosh. Outside of the interview and sent it to us uh, so that we could include it in in the episode. So this is this is Matt's um science proposal and the experiment that he says that he encourages all the listeners to do well let's uh let's let's uh, bring it home let's bring it home yeah matt thank you so much for for spending all this time with us and being so just open and clear about what you're doing as a as an author and as somebody who's exploring 
all of these different worlds and all of these different people and bringing them to us. You know, it's shaman's work. It's, mm. it's, it's wizard's work to go into a place where the rest of us don't go and bring something back. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's, I, that's a nice, that's a, that's a very flattering way to put it. And I, I certainly, for me, it's just, it's the best part of my job is that I get to live all of these other lives and, and see all these other worldviews and, and figure stuff out. And, and yeah, and that I get to do that for a living. It's just really cool. So, so Matt, as you know, we ask all of our guests to leave us with a homework assignment, something that all of us can try on, check out, see if it makes a positive change in our lives. So I'm just kind of curious what you have to offer us. So I'm sure everyone listening to this has had the experience, perhaps quite frequently, of seeing someone do something incredibly stupid or wicked or make an argument that seems self-evidently crazy. Um, and your natural response to this is to say, oh my God, what the hell is this person thinking? So your homework assignment, the next time this happens, is to treat the question as if it were not rhetorical. You know, set aside your impulse to dismiss the person as completely irrational and make a good faith effort to figure out what's actually going on in their head. And the goal here is, is not to make excuses for this person, but simply to understand them. Um, you know, as a novelist, this kind of exercise is how I learn to create psychologically realistic characters who aren't just clones of myself. But um, even if you're not a writer, doing this can help you figure out more productive ways of dealing with people than simply hating them or wishing they would magically change and see things your way. And, you know, like working on a jigsaw puzzle, it can also be a good way to pass the time while you're stuck in quarantine. So uh, what the hell are they thinking? The home game. Try it. That's a great homework assignment, Matt. Just really a concrete practice of developing empathy and understanding. Thank you for that. I think we just need to make that game. <laughs> what the hell are you thinking? The home game. <laughs> win points, win prizes. Right. It's not a rhetorical question. Yeah. Yeah, I'm that's really hard. I mean, it's... We've gotten variations on that advice from a few different people in this journey, and I, I'm not sure how great I'm doing it. I used to be better at it, I think, than oh, I am really? right now. Yeah, because because the, the risks are higher, the stakes are higher, the polarization is more extreme, it's know. getting harder. Yeah, there, and there's just so much of it. You yeah. know, it's like one person at a time I can work on empathizing and go and thinking, well, you know, that person who is a serial killer, you know, is probably like that because they were abused and, yeah. you know, blah, blah, whatever. Yeah. But when I see somebody with their mask hanging down in the store, I want to scream at them. Yeah. This is a very hard time to be in relationship and to be in community. Yeah. And this is, you know, it's like. Do your self-actualization so you can be in relationships, so you can be of service, right? It's like, so... That is like the primary challenge right now because we can't deal with climate change. We can't deal with all of the things that we need to deal with until we do this. Yeah. And it's hard. And it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. very hard. I was telling you just the other day, I got on, I got into a, a Facebook squabble with a guy that I've been in Facebook squabbles with for, for literally for literally years. And this is a friend of a friend. And it was a, a squabble over masks and mm. COVID and and you know whether or not, you know, whether or not it was important that ninety that, you know, ninety-eight percent of people recover and and I 
instead of putting him down, I at least was able to say, instead of calling him stupid, I was able to come from my hurt place of like, Mm. how can you, how can you say that it's not important to save a life? My mother's life. My my mother has COPD, right? right? If she gets, if she gets COVID, she's done for. I have asthma and I'm overweight. I don't know if I can survive being on a ventilator. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. and, it, and yeah, you're, I was just trying to be vulnerable with him. That stance is like, like saying, screw you. That's what I make up. Yeah. That's what I make up. And I, But I was trying to, instead of coming from, instead of saying, screw you back, I was just trying to say mm-hmm. like, how can you, how can you condemn me? Mm-hmm. You know, how can you condemn my mother to death? How to can, death, yeah. How can you say that this isn't important? You know, isn't it important? Isn't, don't we owe each other things? Don't mm-hmm. we owe each other regard? Right. Um, and he just kind of came back with a, with a, a, a quote about, you know, if you give up freedom, then you might as well live in a tyranny forever or mm-hmm. whatever it was. And I resisted again the temptation to tell him how wrong he was. And I was able to say... To ask him questions, mm-hmm. to ask him non-rhetorical questions right. of like, what broke you? Yeah. Who told you that you don't deserve to be in community? Who told you that you aren't good enough to to be in reciprocal relationship? Yeah. And I, I don't know that anybody ever told him that, but I, right. but I was just like, somebody must have told him that it wasn't okay to be vulnerable. And then it turns out, he, he did not respond to my mm. questions at all. But the mutual friend responded and told me that he knows that that person experienced child abuse, mm-hmm. sexual abuse as a child. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, somebody did tell him yeah. that it was not safe to be in reciprocal relationship. Yeah, no shit. Somebody did tell him that you needed to be an island. Yeah. And to stay safe. Yeah. So I kind of ended up doing one of... Well, I kind of did math science. Mm-hmm. I kind of asked the questions out loud, not not rhetorically, right? Or, uh, not silently. Yeah, I asked them out loud, yeah. and I actually got the answer. And just as we were saying earlier about what we're finding out just below the surface of everybody here, where it was mm-hmm. just below the surface of this guy. Oh, there's yeah. this deep wounding there. Yeah, and it explains a lot of the choices and and perspectives and. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it may be something else going on there, but it, it seems to be a decent just-so story. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to, you know, without and, and listening to this again and talking about it again, I'm, I'm going to – it reignites my energy to, to play the home game. Yeah, to dig a little deeper and to try to – and like we talked about, try to assume the best or at least yeah. if not – the best assume, you know, that people are just doing the best they can, even if it's not yeah, that great. And this is the tricky part, right? It's like those of us who are doing the self-actualization to right. create a healthy enough seems secure, unfair. It is unfair. It seems so unfair. It's going to be relatively one-sided. Those yeah. of us who can right. are going to be the ones who are called to do it. And when we can't, then we got to look around for some help. Right. Kelly, please, I need to be, I need yeah. to be bolstered up. I need to yep. be held. I need to be told I'm okay. I need to rant and rave. I need to go mm-hmm. out and, and yeah. hit, hit rocks with a stick, whatever it is. Yell to the people who can, ha- you know, are happy to listen to it and then get it out and then right. go back and try again. Well, right. I, the, what, what popped into my head, the analogy is sort of like being a parent. It's like, kids are awful. <laughs> <laughs> they won't do what you want them to do. They, they've got their own agendas. They, you know, <laughs> You know, it's like, but you, you know, a good parent 
doesn't just force their kids to do what they want all the time. Yeah. You know, a good parent empathizes and is, you know, works on being patient. Doesn't yell and, back when they get yelled at. Right. right. You don't just act like they do. Right. I mean, I'm sure everybody that's does how, that's once how it in started. a while. That's how it started yeah. for Michelle Obama, right? When Sasha goes low, yeah. I go high. <laughs> right. Right. You know, and, and it's easy for me to say because I don't have kids, but I get it. You know, it's we have to try to be better than we are. Yeah. All of us. And, it, and this might be going on a little long, but it's it's yeah. it's Larry's lesson about who's responsible right. for the relationship. Gosh, darn it. Larry Levinson told me when I was when I was getting ready to ask Kelly to to marry me, he said, "Well, you know, Charles, who's responsible for the relationship?" I'm like, "Oh, it's great. It's great. Kelly's so she's done the self-actualization work. It's great. She's going to yeah. be able to meet me halfway. It's fantastic. We're going to be such great equal partners." He's like, "No. Charles, you are 100% responsible for the relationship. I'm like, well, no, you know, no, it's, it's, we're both of us. It's, it's going to be yeah. really equal. It's really fantastic. It's the first woman I've ever met who can like really meet me where I'm at and emotionally mature and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, you, Charles, are 100% responsible for the relationship. I'm like, I think he had to repeat it several times yeah. uh, for me to <laughs> kind of grok what he means, but it's true. Right. It's like, I can't. I can't go around going like, well, I did my part in the relationship. So right. Kelly better show up because mm-hmm. otherwise it's over or whatever. It's like, right. Nope. And then you told me and I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> but it's true because sometimes it is all on you yeah. and sometimes it's all on me. Yep. And we yep. got to be able to carry it until the other person is able to pick up their 30 percent or their 80 percent or their whatever it is in yeah. the given moment. Yeah. Yeah, and I, th- I think this might be the first time I even articulated this in the context of who's wearing a mask, who's not wearing a mask, who's, you know, who's taking uh, care of us during COVID. It's like, we're all 100% responsible. Yeah. So, here we go. Yeah. The, the, the notions of fairness or it's your turn or whatever just don't make sense in a mature relationship. Can you hear my stomach? <laughs> <laughs> I can't. The mic does not pick that okay. up. Do you want to put the mic down there so we can all hear? No. Okay, great. Well, let's let's listen to a more hopeful clip yeah. about relationships, shall we? So if I'm going to put my activism into a form, it's really going to be into inclusivity, inclusiveness, creating space for folks, creating opportunities for people to share the difficult things that they have to talk about. Because I think like, I I, I worry that the word activist is so colored with Mm. riot or violence Mm. that it's really difficult. And knowing nonviolence, like I think people think of nonviolence as a passive thing. And it's actually active. It's very provocative. It also helps the ugliness of any practice that's happening rise within a person so they can really do the critical self-analysis to become better. Mm. So when I thought of inclusive activism, it was, what can I, what can I do to put words together that normally aren't together to create a whole new thought or idea? Mm. And that's why I picked it. Mm. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you're trying to make, you're trying to make your work, your justice work approachable, um, uh, accessible, accessible accessible and love focused. Yeah. Right. Like, 
rather than, you know, like I don't call folks out. I try to call them in. Nice. Um, I don't say that when I do work that there's a such thing as a safe space because safe spaces don't exist in this world. Like what I'll try to invite is a brave enough space for mm-hmm. you to actually be a little bit more of the person you have on the inside that you know about, but you're scared of and especially scared of showing for other people. Mm-hmm. Like if I can create spaces like that, then when when I can be more full me, good, bad and ugly then you can be more full you. And then when you're a more full you, I understand myself better. I accept myself better. I can advocate for you better because you're being you too. And it gives me more permission to be me. So that was Rowdy Duncan. Yay, Rowdy. Yeah, her beloved Rowdy Duncan. Beautiful, beautiful radio voice that he's got. He does. Yeah, beautiful dog. Yeah. Tank. Yeah. Yeah. And what he was explaining at the beginning of that clip was the the name of his podcast and kind of the name of his approach, inclusive activism. And that's mm-hmm. I asked him, what is what does that mean? And he kind of explained that really well. But that that central part about like, if I'm fully me, then you get to be fully you, and then I get to learn about you and advocate for you, and then I'm more full me. And right, because then love if that. you're not, you can sense when people are protecting, and then that makes us, you know, if you're protecting, then I kind of have to protect because I don't know what's going on with you. And I just was reading about wolf behavior and animal behavior. And, you know, it's like as animals, we are constantly sensing each other because we've got some of that hierarchy stuff and and the fight or flight is always scanning. Do we need to be you know, what, what do we need to be doing in this situation? Right. And when we are vulnerable and authentic with each other, then all of that kind of scanning can kind of take it down a notch and we can, I don't know, just relax into the moment in a way that we don't have to when we're on guard. Yeah. Like this is kind of the theme in the second part, right? Just like, you know, Colby and Kate had to be honest with one another. And and I guess I'm guessing that, you know, every time that Kate said, well, I think I'm becoming a feminist that gave Colby permission to be like, I think I don't believe in this trans whatever it was. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. When, when we can let our guard down and it's tricky, right? Cause it's like, well, I'm not going to let my guard down unless you let your guard down. Exactly. So it comes back to that, like who's responsible, who's going right. to take, who's going to be brave, who's going to do that. And, uh, who's going to create that that brave space. I, I, yeah. I had, I had forgotten, I had that, forgotten that, that phrase. Too. That's great. Not a safe space. Right. I really like the God. I'm really, yeah. this, so, okay. As I think about it, like, okay, my relationship with Kelly is not about safe spaces. My relationship with Kelly is about brave spaces. Cause that changes. God. It's sort of like, if you're expecting a safe space, then maybe it never feels safe. You know, maybe it never feels quite safe enough to open up, but if it's a brave space, it's like, okay, well, I feel a little scared, but I'm going to do it because I'm brave and I'm strong and I can, I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. And it calls a little bit, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, okay, if if I'm going to say it's aspirational. Yeah. Yeah. And it calls for more than what I am right now. If you're creating a brave space for me, it calls for more of me. Yeah. And we can step up. Yeah. But a safe space is like, 
once you, you know, cause sometimes we misunderstand each other or we step on our, our trigger wires and, yep. and it's like, oh, well, I was just saying blah and you went blammo and okay, I don't, that doesn't feel safe, but <laughs> right. it's just there, right. you know, right. it's like right. any two people are going to have things that you're going to step on accidentally or bump into and it goes off and yeah. You know, it's like, sorry, or, or, or the, it triggers a shutdown if it doesn't trigger an explosion. And, you know, that's just called being human. Yeah. So listeners, I don't know if you're getting this right now, but like this retrospective, this going back through this <laughs> stuff, it's like, it's creating change in me. It's creating yeah, it's change. It's our therapy session of the, <laughs> of the whatever. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this is, this is one of the reasons we love doing this podcast and the fact that we get to go back to it and like find more is, mm -hmm. is amazing. Yeah. They're all worth listening to again. Yeah. Yeah. Which we hope some of you do go, mm -hmm. go back and listen. There were two Rowdy Duncan episodes. This yep. is from Rowdy Duncan number one, just in case anybody's keeping track. Exactly. Yeah. Let's take a little quote unquote break. And we'll be right back with part three, where we get to talk about being of service. Yay. So we hope you are all digging this retro rocket retrospective. We hope you'll look up those old episodes and give them a listen or a re-listen. We'll put links to those specific episodes in the show notes, as well as links to more information about each of the featured guests. Go listen to one of Rowdy's podcasts. Check out a book by Matt Ruff. I, since we watched Lovecraft Country, now I think I can read it because I yeah. read the first chapter and it was scary. And I said, nope, can't do it. But now I've been through it in living color and it, mostly red, mostly red. <laughs> it was the show was very if you have not seen the show on HBO, it is we subscribe to HBO just to watch the show and yeah. it's scary, but it is really good. It's yeah. really well done. And now I think I can go back and read the book. But anyway, donate to prevent child abuse, Claire Luge's project. Anybody we have on this podcast, whatever they're doing is probably worth supporting. So you can even tune into to church with with you can. Kate and Colby because they're doing it online. So absolutely, you can go to that ready. church, which is like inclusive and you know they get real. You were you were ready to join? Them I was so that. yeah. So if I drop your were, pagan ways and oh my gosh, yeah. But anyway, if you find this or any of the other podcasts helpful and valuable to you, would you leave us a testimonial comment or a review through Podchaser, iTunes, or on our website? You can even do it on Google now. If you search for Rocket oh, Feather Creative, yeah. you can leave a review right on Google. It's really easy. We got some nice Google reviews recently. We did. We, we did. did. Very grateful for that. And the bigger the reach of this podcast, the more cool stuff we'll be able to do. So who do you want us to interview in the next year? Go to podchaser.com slash rocketfeather to leave a five-star rating and tell us who you want us to try and get on the pod. And even more importantly, it's hard to say that anything's more important than leaving us a five-star review, but right there now- There is one thing. One thing is more important and that is vote. I know a lot of you have already returned your ballots, but Thank I'm guessing, you. yes, but I'm guessing that there's one person out there who needs to hear this. In the immortal words of Barack Obama, don't boo, vote. Vote for the environment. Vote for healthcare. Vote for women. Vote for justice. Vote for sustainability, community, education, and fairness. Vote and get all your friends and family to vote. Apathy or forgetfulness is a vote for disempowerment, 
and darkness. I left my ballot on the table back in 2004, and I'm still kicking myself Ugh. about it. Make a plan, tie a string around your finger, set a reminder on your phone, but vote. vote. Okay, now that that's... <laughs> we said our thing. We said our thing. Let's, uh, let's go back and wrap up our trip down memory lane. Oh, it's so much fun. And Drew is that way too. And meeting him was so refreshing because he wants whatever song we write or any song we just perform to stand on its own with the most um, credibility and with the most integrity possible. Mm. And his enthusiasm and his nature and his positivity for playing music at its best level is so appealing to me. And it's so like a heartstring to me because I love the like, go for the thing you wouldn't think you'd do and make it your own. And he's always on board without question. He has never looked at me and been like, that's a terrible idea. Or <laughs> I don't do that. Or I don't do that. Oh, or that, I'm not yeah. going to play that. Or, or that's not in the wheelhouse or you shouldn't be singing that or whatever it is. He's always like, let's give it a shot. If we hate it, we won't do it. If it's amazing, Leo Sayer will do it, yep. you know? And I appreciate that. Cause I, I try to approach the world with enthusiasm. Yep. And when I meet people that, also approach the world with enthusiasm. I think it is un it's you you can't beat that. You can't you run then. You run at your fastest speeds and you fly. And that's so exciting. Uh, that's that's diva Candace Divine. Uh, blonde haired soul singer talking about her collaborative relationship with Drew Hall, an amazing guitarist and my, and my guitar teacher. And I think it's kind of, this is kind of a segue clip, right? Because mm -hmm. it's like it's about the relationship between the two of them, but it's about how their relationship, you know, kind of going back to Rowdy, like who they get to be Candace gets to be more fully her. Right. Because Drew is fully confident in his own abilities. Um, and she gets to just run and, and fly. She yeah. said it's great. Well, and it's how um, they approach the world is how they approach their lives. They're enthusiastic and collaborative and they're yes people in yeah. the best sense of, of what that is. Yeah. They're not saying yes to a bunch of nonsense. They're saying yes to trying things and doing their best and delivering something of value to people. Yeah. And, and you can tell it, it when you listen to them, especially live, they, they just want to give it all. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, we worked with Drew on the uh, Play It Forward music fest that we used to run year for Voice year. to Man year after year. And it was because of that energy that mm -hmm. you said, just that like, yes, energy. Let's try it. Let's do it. This That generosity of spirit, bringing young people on stage to play music with Absolutely. him. And, you know, Candace is out there, like a lot of our podcast guests, Candace is out there trying to fix things. You know, she's mm -hmm. like, why isn't Prescott more of a crossroads for live music? Everybody should be coming here to listen to great live music. There's so much music here. Mm -hmm. And before COVID hit, she was in the process of basically creating an industry, creating a, mm -hmm. a, a new tourism industry here in Prescott. And I'm confident that, that once, uh, once we get the vaccine and once people can safely gather in, in bars and concert halls, that she's going to be doing that. And she and Drew have brought in, you know, quite famous, uh, award-winning singers yeah. and songwriters and guitarists. Big talents. And the big talents. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh my God. Big, big voices. Yes. Uh, to the elk stage and, yeah, and really elsewhere. Yeah, really good show. And that's, that's what I really admire. You and I have talked about this a lot about seeing all of these people who 
Ruth Allen Alinsky, Laura Fitton, you know, whoever it is who like, they see something, so they do something about it. Yeah, that audacity to think that they can make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm trying to follow in those footsteps. I'm trying to have, you know, have, have this podcast and this business follow in those footsteps. So like, see something, do something, do it with enthusiasm, mm-hmm. work with other people who are saying, yes, let's try it and fly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. feels so good. Yeah. And I'm so excited. We're going to have uh, Drew and Candace right back here in the living room. Know. Uh, you know, we, that was that episode that we recorded with them was a stretch. We recorded musical performances, you know, I was yeah, running, we're learning those new yeah, to us. Yeah. Totally. Running cables all over the place, trying to figure out how to capture sound. And, uh, and then they were in the living room and that was oh, beautiful. And, came and sang with Candace. Yep. Yep. Mm. Yeah. We definitely encourage everybody to, to play back that episode, uh, to hear Bill yowling back at Candace as she was oh hitting the big notes on he the last so song that they did. He was so interested in her. He put his feet up on the, on, on the, the coffee table, table in yeah. front of her and was looking her right in the eye. Yeah, he came from across the room to check out what was going on with her. Like, he doesn't really do that unless there's food involved and there was yeah. no food. Yeah. He was into what she was doing. I don't know if he, I did. I never understood whether he was into it or like he was saying, like, be quiet, lady. You're, no, you're I think everybody. he was into it. Okay. I okay. really do. You could see. I was I could I was see. Yeah, the, I was, was watching him and he was like, he was totally into it. Bill. Our Bill. Bill lives, but not really. Anyway. In our hearts. In our hearts. But yeah, let's keep moving on. We're talking yeah. about community and community and service, service and getting into it. Yeah. Speaking of getting about, involved, getting off the couch. Yeah. Speaking of which. That's to me, that's what community means. If somebody needs something, we try and get it for them. We try and help them. Do you know what I mean? We don't just go, oh, too bad. Yeah. <laughs> Same for to you. you. <laughs> yeah. Be sure to vote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It's more, yeah. it's more than just getting out the vote. It's building community is what I'm hearing you say. It's building community. And it's also recognizing that we actually are powerful. If we listen to the powers that be in the internet, they'll tell us we're not powerful. They'll tell us these militia groups are too big for us. They'll tell us all this stuff. And guess what? They're, it's not true. We are very, very powerful, all of us together. And then, and then, so that's why the more people join, the more powerful we are and the more powerful they feel inside because they're making a change. Do you know what I mean? Change will not be made if we don't make it. I mean, that's just historical fact. We got to do it. It's our job as humans. Wow. There's no arguing with that. Rosie Dixon just lays it down. She laid it down. Rosie's uh, a local co-founder and a local badass. A local badass uh, in the in the Prescott Indivisible movement, and she explained to us about how indivisible. Again, it's like if you see something, do something. That in 2016, these two young congressional staffers, after the election, said we got to do something. They wrote a manifesto, you know, sitting on the floor on their laptops, and published it. And now there is an indivisible group in every congressional district in the United States. God, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So thousands and thousands of people. And, you know, we, I get, you know, we're kind of, we're kind of members. We get the newsletter. We're signed up. We're, we're following them on yeah, Facebook. I got to get involved with them though. I feel, I felt called after that episode and we've been busy with election stuff, but after the election, I gotta, I gotta get in there. 
Right. Because, yeah, like we've talked about and we'll talk about with Ruth Allen, you know, it's like there's more the, – the election isn't the end. It's just the beginning. Right. And this is an interesting, you know, kind of counterpoint to this idea of like I'm 100% responsible, you're 100% yeah. responsible because oh it's like – Oh, my gosh, yes. It's when we're together that we are powerful. Yep. We can't do it all alone. So I'm I'm 100% responsible for my relationship with you, but I can't be 100% responsible for the – United States. No. Nope. I mean, I can be, but I have to work with other people right. to get something done. Yeah. No one person can do everything. And we can't even elect people and just go, okay, you go do it. That's not what we're doing anymore. Yeah. I think that we used to think that way. I sure do. And did. it's like, you, you dang people, you're not getting anything done there in Congress. You're not getting anything done there in the state house. No, that's, they're there to represent us. But if we don't use our voice. Yeah then, you know, we have to participate. They cannot do it all right. for us. And this is like a reconceptualization for me, even as we mm-hmm. speak again, I'm like, I'm learning. Like I said, yeah, just learning too. as we talk. It's like, you know, I used to conceptualize and I think most people conceptualize service or community service or mm-hmm. being of service. It's like going and building a house for yeah, Habitat. Yeah, a couple hours or, a week, the thing that you do. Right, right. Uh, being a mentor for a kid mm-hmm. for Big Brothers. Aren't or, I great? Yeah, being a candy striper at the hospital or picking up trash along the highway. And mm-hmm. all of those are critical. That is being of yeah, service. Yeah, do all of those. But it's there is also service to be done through collective action whether it's through politics or, or, or outside of politics, this, you know, being together to, you know, change, not just, not just volunteering in the school to help kids learn how to read, but working with the school board to improve children's access to literacy. Absolutely. The system, the system does a lot for us and it also is a, has a lot of problems. You know, the system has been, you know, quote unquote, the system, whether it's a school system or the electoral college or whatever, you know, part of the overall system or the overall system entirely does not work for everybody. No, it still needs to be improved and it will not be improved unless we Demand that it is improved. Collectively. Collectively. Yeah. Unless enough people say, this is not working. It needs to be better. How about we do this instead? Right. Right. And put enough voice behind it and enough buying power and enough voting power. Yeah. That the people who like it the way it is are forced to let it change. Right. Right. And, you know, there may not even be, I mean, uh, you know, like I don't think, yeah, I was thinking about, you know, the idea that, okay, I'm going to go and use my couple hours a month to go mentor some kid through Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Awesome. That kid probably totally needs it. You can probably make a big difference in their life. Can you carve out an extra hour a month or two to work collectively with other people to help reduce poverty, to help reduce... Uh, the despair that leads to drug abuse, which often makes kids not have their parents around. And that's why they need big brothers in the first place. Exactly. Go we, upstream. Go upstream. Yep. And we're more effective when we go upstream together because going upstream mm-hmm. is kind of scary. It's it's hard. Right. It's a, it's a less clear need. You know, it's it's not as easy a fix as here, feed this kid, yeah. hang out with this kid. That's pretty clear. Yep. But 
it seems like a bigger problem when it's upstream yeah. and a more nebulous problem. Like We're I change don't how food is distributed, how to change that. Yeah. 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 But together if, and again, it comes back to values, right? Yeah. We keep talking about values on this podcast. If one of our social values is we want people Everyone in our community matters. Yeah. Everyone in our community gets fed. Everyone in our community has a roof over their head. Yep. You know, there are people working on those things. Yeah. We can help them. Yeah. With our time, with our money, yep. with our talent. We yeah. can help it's the already, people who it's, are it's already, already working on that stuff. Yeah. Well, and a, we can vote for people who will help with those issues. That's a great segue. Let's listen to this clip from Jesse Hans, who's oh, yes. the director of CCJ, the Coalition for Compassion and Justice. So my first night in shelter, I just thought to myself, wow, so many things went through my head. First, so many of these folks are people that look like they would work beside me um, and had in our, in our daily, uh, bread program. And I thought, Oh, I just thought those were retirees that were volunteering, but those are actually our clients. Wow. So, I bet that was a, that was a big moment. A very surprising because I'd never worked with our population before. Um, and I just thought, okay, I had thought some things that are now completely exploded and I will never think again. And mm. then the other parts of it is, you know, just the, that connection really is the place. And we talked a little bit about connection, but there's a, uh, there's a fellow that talks about, and I'm getting kind of off on a tangent here, but talks about connection being the anecdote to uh, addiction, not yeah. sobriety. Mm -hmm. And we sort of expand on that. And so there have been moments where people have said, you know, you could give people little scan scan cards and you could scan Tron people in every night. It would be really easy. You wouldn't have to pay somebody to sit there. And my response is, yeah, but our intake people know these folks' names and they say hi to them. They do a check-in, yeah. they ask how their day was, and that is why we're there. We're not there to mm -hmm. scan somebody in. We're there to connect with folks and know them and have a sense of belonging and a sense of being seen, which I think is just the foundation of healing. Oh, the foundation of healing. Being seen. Being known. Being known. Being cared about. Yeah. So Jesse set the goal of ending homelessness in Prescott. Yeah. And I, I you know, I, I, we haven't checked in with her recently, you know, post COVID, but she was well on the way. It was about there. Yeah. When we interviewed her, they had just opened up a couple of lodges that are mm -hmm. actually going to rehouse uh, folks who are experiencing homelessness. She taught me to use the phrase folks who are experiencing homelessness right. rather than homeless people. Right. It puts them in a box. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Because a lot of different kinds of people experience homelessness at different times in their lives yeah. for different reasons. Yeah. And she was talking about how she's like, oh, I yeah. thought I thought these were our volunteers. No, these are the yeah. these are the folks experiencing homelessness who are turning around right. and being of service to others in that mm -hmm. in that same boat. So yeah. And being in community. And that was one of the other things she talked about in that interview that really struck me is the notion that it's kind of like what Jesus said, the least of us you know, if there are people suffering in our community and we don't do anything to help them, that is impoverishing our whole community. Yeah. And yeah. when everyone in our community has food and a place to stay 
you know, and basic services, that makes our whole community healthier yeah, and more robust. We're able to tap into that human capital that yeah. isn't, you know, struggling Swandered. to survive. Yeah, yeah it, it just, I want to live in a community where I don't have to feel like, oh, you know, half of our community or a third or a quarter or some chunk of our community has fallen through the cracks, fallen by the wayside and yep. nobody cares to do anything. Yep. But we need to have, again, into the system, the system has to work for people. And it needs to be a system infused with what Jesse was talking about, right? It's like, it's, yeah. you can have this really efficient system that uses, you know, magnetic check-in cards for the homeless people, people experiencing homelessness to get into the shelter, or you can pay somebody to have them mm -hmm. stand there and check people in and have connection. Because that's creating community. Right. Because community yeah. connection is the antidote. Because Jesse, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Jesse talks about that of like... We need everybody to be part of this community. We are not about just like shoving people off to the side. Right. And there's two, you know, you, you speak a lot about how, like what it means to you and what you want, you know, you want to live in a community where you're not having to worry about people who are homeless. You know, you don't have to mm -hmm. leave natural grocers and see that person who's been sitting on that corner for years as far as I mean, that's know, for several years with his little sign. But it's also yeah. it hurts the soul. It hurts, it hurts the heart. The soul. Yeah. And there's just justice, right? It's like right. I think I, I want to live in a just community. Yeah. And and oh my God, Rosie. Yeah. <laughs> Rosie Dixon is just holy like, moly. Justice is Yeah. It's, it's very clear to her. Yeah, it's very clear to her. It's a human imperative. It's a moral imperative. That's yep. what she called it to to end uh, racism, to end homelessness, to end all of that. And it's it's a lot to take on, and we can't do it alone. I can't. I can't do it alone. Nobody can. But do I it can alone. be. I can be incredibly successful when I'm working with other people. This. You know, I've been phone banking for the election. Right. And you keep it, signing up for more. I keep signing up for more. And I just, I, you know, posted on Twitter this morning that, you know, I've done, I don't know, six or eight uh, shifts of, of like an hour or two a piece. Yeah, at least. And I, I know for sure that there are three people who voted who wouldn't have. Right. And that doesn't seem like a lot, right? It's like, it's, oh my that's, gosh, that's but how hours many people of my are doing time. this? Exactly. How there many were people? 55,000 volunteers across the state of Arizona phone banking wow. this weekend. That's like 150,000 people if everybody gets three. Right. Three pelts. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's a it's a reconceptualization of what power means. Mm -hmm. Right. And the kind of the old conception of power, the old strength, it's like my personal power is what matters. That's how it, things are measured. That you're making somebody do I'm something. I'm making somebody do something. Yeah, no. I am effective. My ego is tied up in, what, in how effective I am. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would be sad if I, if I had done all those shifts and I couldn't, you know, name right, one right. or two people, but I, you know, but I, so I, but knowing that I am part of a group that I'm one fifty-five thousandths <laughs> of this, of this powerful organic machine yeah. that is empowering people to empowering still other people, mm -hmm. as you say, 150,000 people perhaps yeah. to, to vote and participate and feel connected. That's amazing. That's amazing. Mm. So uh, it, beautiful. It, yeah, it feels ridiculously good to do that. Yeah, and I think I like this it. thread that has been running through so many of the people we have talked to in the last year is this there's no choice, yeah. you know, Thomas Barr and, and Rosie and Ren and yeah. the Alinsky's, you know, yeah. and so many, and, and Laura Fitton. I yeah. mean, they're just like, they're just like, nope. it just, 
we're doing this. And I have not felt that way about getting involved yeah. in yeah. my life. Like, you haven't, you haven't earned your don't blame me. My integrity made me do a bumper sticker yet. Well, I know. Uh, but I mean, I think I'm probably in the majority of people who are like, wow, I, somebody should really do something about that. <laughs> Maybe I should do something about that, but I don't know what. And I'm just grateful to be having the experience of this podcast because it helps yeah. to see it. You know, I see, I see all these people who are amazing people who are like, there's just no choice. I have to get involved. And then for all of us wishy-washy people who are like, I, I don't feel good about this, but I don't really know what to do. These conversations kind of help clarify what's possible yeah, and help motivate, you know, me to get and get off the couch a little bit more right. than I have. And I also have some things once the election's over that I do want to do yeah. indivisible. And I want to reach out to Jesse Hans and, yeah. and get involved with CCJ more. And I think one of the questions that, that you and I, I don't know, I don't know that you and I are ever going to be able to answer this, but kind mm-hmm. of one of the questions is, is doing this podcast quote unquote enough? Right. Exactly. And I, our job of lifting other voices yeah. up. And, and I think that's important. And we keep hearing from people how valuable it is and that it is important and that we are doing something that makes a difference in this community. Yeah. And it, this is easy for us. <laughs> and, and I don't know. I mean, I think that's part of why I didn't get involved in service until pretty late in my life was that I thought it was supposed to be hard. Yeah. Like it didn't count if it was easy and fun. Right. right. And I have learned that I can do freaking, the things that are easy and fun. Calvinists. I it's, know. It's like if it's good, yeah. if you feel good, it's bad. Yeah, exactly. If you feel terrible, it's good. And yeah. you're finding out that phone banking is fun. Oh, my God. I used to volunteer at the thrift store, the you know, a charity thrift right. store. And I had a great time. Like the people there, I was happy to see them. They let me organize the books. Yeah. You know, and I would do whatever. And, and other things that I have done, I generally do the things that I like doing. I like organizing stuff. I like doing graphics. I like, you know, there's a place for everybody to do stuff that you like doing. So if you are what like me and you have been waffling and you have been, you know, struggling with, well, I don't know if I would like doing that, you know, fine, figure out what you like doing. And there's a, there's a charity somewhere that would be happy for you to get on board and help with the things that you like doing. Sacrifice is important. Stepping outside of one's one's own comfort zone, but Mm. I don't know that it's necessary all the time. It doesn't have to be a misery. Is it okay for us to feel joy Mm -hmm. while we do this podcast and make a difference in the world? Absolutely. And it's preferable so. because joy grows, you know, like yeah. whatever you're putting out in the world grows. Yeah. And if you want to put misery out in the world, well, go, I guess you can do that. But <laughs> if you really, I mean, there's yeah. something about, you know, like Rowdy saying about inviting, calling people in rather yeah. than calling people out. Right. Calling people in is like, we're having a great time here. Come join us. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm thinking about you know what's what's been in my head a lot lately is John Lewis on the on the Edmund Pettit Bridge and and getting mm-hmm. his skull beat in 
as kind of an exemplar of service and exemplar of courage right. and yeah, bravery. Yeah, that's and, scary as shit. Right. And I kind of think about it because it's like whenever I start a phone banking shift, I'm like, ah, I don't really want to do this. This yeah. is uncomfortable. I don't. And then I remember like, oh, you're a little uncomfortable, Charles. You're, right. Okay, Matthews. Yeah. Yeah. Tell John Lewis all about it. Tell John Lewis all about it. And the other thing of like, they sang yeah. as they marched. Yeah. And we saw today on Twitter the, the, uh-huh. the videos of, of the guys. waiting in line to vote and wait. they are like boogieing down. Oh my God. Yeah. Make a dance party out of the. Long, long lines in Philadelphia. Line. Yeah. That's these, so great. These men and women working for, you know, getting in line to vote. Yeah. Out there in the they were sun and the cold and whatever, yeah. playing funk music and dancing. Yeah. So can we can we find joy in the work? Hell yeah. I think so. Well let's play our last <gasps> clip. It's our last clip already. It's our last clip already. Oh my gosh. People don't want to be around other people right now. And I think we're all frustrated and maybe a little bit angry. And so it's very easy to just go within and hole up in your space. And um, it's going to take, I think, time to get people to come out of those shells. You know, I think we're looking at a few years of more hard work of getting people to come out and engage and understand why connection is important and reinvesting in our community is important. And so, you know, my, I guess my drive is really that raising the bar because I know we have the potential to be better as a community, but in a larger scale too, whatever that looks like. And, you know, my thought is if if we can just encourage people to raise the bar within their own circle themselves, that's moving in the right direction. Right. And I have work to do too. I, you know, I'm, I'm not excluding myself. There's lots more to be done, but we can be better. You know, our community um, can be better. Well, it kind of circles back to the beginning, right? Of like, we're never fixed. We're never done. I mean, I think of that as job security. (laughs) So that was Ruth Ellen Alinsky uh, from one of our most recent, maybe the most recent podcast episode, episode 51. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, she's a dear friend of yours from way back. Mm -hmm. And we interviewed her and her husband, Tim Alinsky, who's the mayor of Cottonwood. They're kind of, they're kind of the mayor together. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's constitutionally uh, allowed, but. um, But they're definitely a team and a really powerful team yep and they yep. give so much to that community and oh my gosh i just the idea of having those two working for you yeah it's like amazing yeah. i there's that's like it makes me almost want to live in cottonwood Almost. Almost. Yeah. I like this side of the Yeah. For those who don't know, you know, Cottonwood's a, a, a little town, a former, former smelter town in central Arizona. I grew up just up the hill from it. Kelly knows that area really well. Uh, it's a town that, that nearly died in the 60s and 70s when the mines closed and experienced this crazy renaissance. And there's wine tours and vineyards and tasting rooms and cute shops and all that stuff, which, of course, COVID is hitting really hard. Right. And, you know, Tim became mayor to kind of help manage that growth. And now it's like, oh, how do we manage this crisis? Exactly. And the stands that he had to take around mask wearing and, and yeah, there's protests and it's, you know, that community like so many others uh, is being stressed 
I don't want to say torn apart because that's not, I don't want to put that out there as you say, but it's being really stressed by this stupid difference of opinion about whether to wear a mask and whether yeah, to- Yeah, the symbolism of it. Whether black lives matter or all lives matter. And right. It's all this, all this sort of, yeah, all this symbolism. It's not even real. It's not even real. I mean, it covers up real stuff. But anyway, it's, you know, they're struggling to hold together. Yeah. And when Ruth said in this clip, when the first time she said it, it's going to take years- like my, oh God, I can feel it right now. Yeah. My heart sank and lifted at the same time. And I don't know how to explain that. Like, I've just been looking as far as the election, right? Like, right. let's just we get to the election. Just like the past is broken, the future's broken too. Yeah. Yeah, we're not we're not done. I mean, we got climate change, can but barely think about next week. Even if we didn't, even if we weren't staring down the barrel at climate change, like we still have to solve COVID, we still have to get the vaccine out, we still have to make sure that that the needy, marginalized people get the vaccine first. Uh, we still have to get kids educated who are trying to figure it out on Zoom. Um, we still have to rebind our communities together. And as I'm as I'm looking at you, Kelly, I'm looking across your shoulder at the open window mm-hmm. at our across the street neighbor who I know has different, has signs for different candidates than we do. Yes. Uh, and who has a different set of values and, um, or is he's, 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 he's expressing his values in a different way than we, and how do we, how do we bind that together or we choose not to do it with him, but we choose to do it with the person down the street or whatever. It's, it's, it's going to take years yeah. to remember how to be in community with one another. Like I said, my heart broke when she said it, and I heard a frickin' trumpet. Like Right. A call to arms, a call to action, a call to uh, that better that better nature, that higher yeah, she wants us to raise the bar. Yep. Because A, we have to, and yeah. B, like, why would we not wanna be our best selves? Why would we not want to be better always? Like uh, always yeah. be you know, trying to improve a little bit every day. I know. I, there's always going to be a part of me that wants to lie on the couch with a jumbo size bag of, of Captain Crunch and you just know? rip my, the roof of my mouth open, just eating that, eating that raw and being completely happy. Well, you but know, no, but I, think I mean, but I heard, I heard that. the trumpet. I heard the call yeah. to, to purpose and meaning and belonging. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as you say, job security, man. I think there's always room for couch time, just not. Only couch time. Absolutely. I think that's the deal. Uh, Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening to these clips and and going through this process together with us. As Kelly said in the clip at the very beginning, I love therapy. I do love therapy. (laughs) And this this retrospective has been that uh, for me. I've I've experienced personal growth while going over this with all of you. And I hope that, anyway, yeah, I hope hope it was good for you too. So have we talked about the Home Shopping Network on this show? I don't think that particular money-saving tactic has come up in this whole year of podcasting. Maybe maybe we need to start a whole new home economics podcast. <laughs> totally. No, um, the Home Shopping Network I'm talking about means when we need something, instead of adding that thing to the shopping list, I go rummage in the garage or the basement and find just the thing to solve the issue. And then I shout, home shopping network. 
going back over these wonderful conversations feels a lot like that, like finding a treasure that's exactly perfect for what we needed. And maybe we just forgot we had it. Yeah, I like that metaphor. That's these, we got this whole shelf of episodes all kind of sorted and labeled mm-hmm. down in the basement or <laughs> on the hard drive. In the internet basement. Yeah. And uh, each is packed with inspiration and connection and beautiful quotes and reminders. And they'll always be there for us to revisit and, and use maybe when we need it. But of course, we're not done. No. No. We're going to continue making more episodes with more people, more guests. God's willing and the creek don't rise. Creek don't rise. So stay tuned for that, folks. We're not done. Nope. We got another year ahead of us. Yay. Can't wait. One more reminder before we go to RSVP to the party this Friday. This Friday. It's the Here Together live stream podcast. It'll be live streamed on Facebook. We're asking folks to sign up via Eventbrite for a free ticket. And that will enter you into the grand prize giveaway of a primo rocket feather hoodie. So do that. Mm -hmm. Go to Eventbrite, search for it, or you can use the link in the show notes. And as always, follow us on Instagram at RocketFeather1 and join us in the Rocket Feather Community Lab on Facebook. It is now safe to unstrap and leave the rocket. Until next time, this is Charles Matthews and Kelly Robert, hoping you enjoyed this journey through the past and discovered as much value as we did. We love you. We love you. <laughs>